Dear founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I'm really excited about today's guest as she has created an online community and online business in a very similar manner to how I started my own first company and with the timeline. She's been doing this for over 12 years and I'm just really excited for all of the incredible bits of information that you are going to get out of today's episode. Camille Styles is the founder and editor-in-chief of Leading Lifestyle Digital Publication, Camille Styles, an influential go-to resource for elevating everyday experiences. Camille Styles is the definitive guide to simplifying life without compromising style. The online publication covers food, design, gatherings, wellness, and beauty, connecting with its audience that reaches 50 million impressions each month across the site and social media channels. Camille launched her namesake digital lifestyle site over a decade ago. It was driven by a passion for beauty and uncovering it in others' in others' lives. Bringing that vision to life through food design and gathering friends around a table is her true happy place. In the spirit of giving more women a seat at the table, Camille employs an all-female staff to actively guide her company's vision and growth. Alongside her team of 15 editors, experts, and photographers based across the country, they have sustainably expanded their presence to encompass more than 15 million page views a month, 1.3 million unique monthly visitors, and an audience footprint of what I said previously, more than 50 million across website and social media channels. Camille is also a mom of two, and she's on an endless quest to find balance. And that pursuit of living a more joyful and present life is an underpinning of everything that she does. Like I said, I loved everything about this conversation as Camille will leave you with so many actionable steps and real tips that you can utilize starting today to drive traffic to and to monetize your online business. So please come on in and meet Camille Styles. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I am really excited about today's guest, Camille Styles, who is the founder and editor-in-chief of a leading lifestyle digital publication with her namesake, Camille Styles. And part of why I love her story is because she started her business very similar to me before the onslaught of social media. And I'm really excited to hear and share her story and to really dive into how she's grown her publication online to be what it is today, which you will hear it is read and reached by millions of people. So Camille, welcome. Thanks, Lindsay. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm so excited to have you. So tell us a little bit about what you do, what your publication is, and how you got started. Yeah. So like you said, I'm the editor-in-chief of CamilleStyles.com. 
It is a daily digital publication, kind of a magazine style format online that covers food and gatherings and beauty and wellness and design. I knew I was leaving one out. <laughs> and it's beautiful. I mean, it's Thank beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, I have a team of 15 editors across the country, and our mission is really to give our audience the tools and the inspiration and everything they need to design and create the life of their dreams. So it really is about not giving people a, um, a certain you know image of perfection that they have to live up to. It's really about, here, we're going to help you find what really lights you up and gets you excited and brings joy to your life and then give you the tools to bring that into your life on a daily basis. Why did you start this and how did you start this? You know, I mean, because you look back and you are over a decade old and people weren't doing what they're doing now on the internet a decade ago. And and I know this from my own experience. So what was the catalyst behind you starting this? You're right. I had no idea when I started the site that it would become the focus of my career for the next almost 13 years is is how long I've, I've been doing it. So it really started after college. I graduated from journalism school at University of Missouri. And at the time, I thought I wanted to work in the fashion industry. So I went to New York for a few short months and got what I thought was my dream internship for a, pas- a fashion PR firm and quickly learned that not only did I not want to work in the fashion industry, but I did not want to live in New York. Um, I was fr- I'm from Texas, and I really missed the warmth and the casual nature of just the people in Texas. And I was at a point in my life when I really didn't have any commitments and could kind of move and craft a life wherever I wanted to. So I had visited Austin, fell in love with the energy and the creativity there, and just moved there kind of on a whim. And During my time in New York, I had gotten my first taste of the event planning industry. The PR firm I worked for did a lot of red carpet events. And I was like, wow, this is an industry that combines basically everything that I do for fun. Cooking, food, bringing people together, creating an experience. It was just the things that I was naturally passionate about. So I was immediately interested. So when I moved to Austin, I got a job at an event planning company to get a little more experience and absolutely just found my passion. I ended up starting my own event planning business, Camille Styles Events, a couple of years later when I was 24 and started my personal blog. At the time, it was actually called Style Notes. Little known fact, that was the first name of the site. I started it as a creative outlet. I love to write and I wanted to really kind of exercise that muscle in a way that I wasn't doing with my event planning business. And it was also a great tool for my new event planning business. This was really in the early days of blogging and people were just starting to launch these creative blogs and blogs to promote their businesses. And I just thought it was really fun. So I did both my event planning business and the blog for a couple of years and just found myself wanting to pour more and more of my time and attention into the content I was creating online. And in the early days of of blogging, it really was a time where if you just put out good content, 
the people would find you. And so we really started to build an audience of people who loved what we were doing and food and gatherings and events and just, you know, co-enthusiasts in those spaces. I think it was when I went to my first blogger conference, which was Alt Summit. It was a conference that a lot of design bloggers and lifestyle bloggers went to. That was when I really saw for the first time that people were making a career out of their digital content. And I sold my first banner ad at that conference, which I had no idea what I was doing. It was definitely one of those fake it till you make it moments where I pitched a brand. uh, I think it was a $300 a month banner ad and they bought it. And I was like, wow, I am making money on this blog that I've just been doing for fun. And that was kind of it for me. By a year later, I was doing the blog full-time and really finding out how to turn it into a business and really make a living doing that. And the next 10 years were just a story of being patient and learning and evolving as the industry continued to change, hiring my team one by one. And I think dreaming big, but also just staying open to those opportunities that I couldn't have really foreseen, but saying yes when they felt aligned to where I wanted to be headed. I love everything about your story because, I mean, essentially, like you turned a passion project into a full time business and you probably had no plan and it wasn't something that you had any intentions of doing. And here you are doing something that you love every single day, right? Absolutely. And I think that in digital media, things do change so fast in the industry. It's really hard to have an exact five-year plan because five years from now, the industry is unrecognizable to what it looks like right now. So I'm a big believer in, yes, have a vision and know what you want your life to look like and sort of what success means to you. But stay open along the way because as I've learned from experience, so often opportunities will come along that are so much better than anything I could have dreamed up. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm a big believer in, in creating a vision and really doing the work, but just staying very, very open. So tell us where CamilleStyles.com is today. So today I have a team of five full-time women who work for the site and um, and it's our it, it's been really interesting, I think, as a founder to see the structure of the company evolve through the years. Um, I've learned so much about sort of how to run an amazing small team and really finding our sweet spot in terms of how big should our team be? And is a bigger team always better? And I've really kind of redefined what growth means for me. Um, Right now, I feel like a five-person team is amazing, and I can share more about why. But we then have a team of 15 contributing editors who live around the country who write for a specific category on the site. Um, I work closely, actually, with all of them. And wearing that editor-in-chief hat and really getting to curate and have a vision for what is on the site and the different voices that we're illuminating on the site is really, I think, my favorite part of my job. So staying in that role is really important to me, even as we get bigger. But um, so to answer your question, the site is still actually the main focus of the company. 
which is interesting to your point, social media has become such a huge focus and a huge part of the digital media industry. There have definitely been times over the last several years when people have questioned my decision to keep my focus on the site. People have told me that blogs were dying, that you know everything is moving to social media. And I've had to be very intentional about keeping my vision on what I'm most passionate about and what I really believe in, which is the site, CamilleStyles.com. And it's something that I own and that I have a lot of control over the way we can reach people, what content people can see on it. Um, And it's been really rewarding because even as people told me that blogs were dying and social media was the future, we're seeing incredible traffic growth. We're currently doing 15 million page views a month. We're reaching about 2 million unique people a month on the site alone. Um, And then we have our social channels. We have an incredible reach on Instagram and Pinterest and we're on TikTok. But really having that home base on the website is, is really important to me. And you know, I think it's what I'm most passionate about because I love telling rich stories and I love being able to do a little bit of a deeper dive. And, and there is still an audience for that. And people are still searching for more long form quality content online. I just want to take a minute to say thank you. In just a few short months, this podcast has reached some incredible milestones, namely helping so many of you. From founding, growing, and selling my first company, and now helping others to do the same, so many of you trust me right here on the podcast, but also through my classes, my one-on-one programs, and my social media. Your belief in me is so appreciated, and now I can help you to grow your own personal brand or your company's community through content, social media, partnerships, email, collaborations, and more. Just click the link in the show notes and fill out the form. Grab 30 minutes with me. We can chat, connect. I'd love to get to know you and your business and perhaps even have the chance to work with you. Thanks so much for being here. How, how has, I mean, you're, you have so much traffic online and obviously your way of getting people to your website has changed over the last 13 years. How has that changed and how are you, and how are you maintaining the traffic and growing the traffic? Because that is, it is very impressive that you are seeing the traffic to your website and not just to your social channels? Oh, I love this question. And I could truly talk about it all day long because it's, it is discovery is so important. And that's what anyone who works online, whether it's running a small, a small business online, whether it's running a content business, everyone wants discovery. And it's so hard in the current world that we're living in where there's so much fighting for everyone's attention There are all these different platforms that everyone's saying you need to be on and you need to be crushing it on, which by the way, is absolutely impossible to be crushing it on all of them. Mm -hmm. So on the site, we have a few different ways that people discover CamilleStyles.com. And I think it's so important to keep that um, diversity. I've seen a lot of my peers rely solely on one channel for getting traffic, whether that's Google or Pinterest or Instagram. And the problem is when one algorithm changes, it can be really destructive to the business. So I've really tried to diversify the ways that we're getting traffic to the site so that when there are these inevitable industry changes, we're not suffering because of what another platform chooses to do. 
So I'll give an example. A couple of years ago, Pinterest was far and away our number one traffic driver. We still get over 50 million impressions on Pinterest every single month. Um, It's an incredible tool and it's been an amazing way for people to find our content. However, Pinterest has changed a lot of their algorithms and I think some of their business models so that people spend a lot more time on Pinterest as opposed to clicking away to the different publishers that are featured there. And so even though we still have a huge audience and a huge reach there, we don't see as much referral traffic. So at the same time, we've really worked to bump up our organic search coming from Google. And there are a million different ways to do that. And, you know, I would say as a general rule, you can't try to trick the system in any way. You just have to really create good content and try to write for what your audience is searching for. That's really the only way to be successful with Google. Um, But we've seen our organic search really um, pick up and increase over the last couple of years. So I think that the point is whether you get your most the most traffic from your newsletter or from Instagram or from a search tool, it's about diversifying and making sure that you're relying on more than one source for your business or for your traffic so that you can have that longevity in the business even when the industry changes. Thank you for saying that because this is something that I say all the time here on the podcast and on social media is that you can't just rely on the social media piece. Like For example, a lot of people come to me for the social media piece and the social media help. And I'm always like, You can't just rely on that. That is one piece of the puzzle and everything really needs to be working together. And you don't have to be, to your point, killing it on every different platform and through every different strategy, but you can't only be doing it on one. And it's so important to your point for growth and longevity to not put all your eggs in one basket. Absolutely. I mean, one thing we haven't really even talked about yet is email, but like I'm obsessed with our email list, with our community on our newsletter. Like that is my number one piece of advice for anyone who's looking to grow their audience and really create a business online is to really focus on your email list because again, you own it. You like no one's going to change an algorithm or change their business and destroy your email list. Like those are people who have opted in to receive your content. And it's the closest thing I think to a true, like engaged community that you can have online. So um, really, really focusing on our email list and creating engaging content for our email subscribers and for our newsletter has been a huge focus for us over the last couple of years. Let's talk about email for a second. Was your email list something that you started when you started the business? Like, was it something that you focused on and started early on, or did it, was it something that it came with time when you realized that you wanted something that you could own? Oh, how I wish I had started my email list when I started the blog. That would be so amazing. But no, it, I started my email list probably four years ago. And even then, really didn't know what I was doing. I think it, it's really been the last couple of years that I've really seen the power of email and that I've become so passionate about how to engage our email subscribers, how to you know, how to allow new people to discover what we're creating in email um, and just really have invested a lot more time and energy into that. Um, 
I wish I had started it a long time ago, but because it is the kind of thing that, you know, when you're, when you're building your email list for years, you have time to really cultivate it and grow it at a slow organic pace. But I also think it's never too late to start an email list. Um, If you're creating great content that people want, they will want to get it in their inbox because again, there's so much vying for people's attention today. I've found that our audience who's really interested in what we're sharing, they want to get it in their inbox because they don't want to miss it. So what would be a couple of tips that you would give someone who doesn't have an email list yet that is looking to start an email list? I would say the first thing is to think about what type of exclusive content you're going to share with your audience. Um, We have definitely grown our list through creating what we call lead magnets, which is basically sharing a free offer of some kind, whether it's, um, you know, our top 10 recipes of all time, or I have a vision and goal setting workbook that I use to set my own goals at the beginning of the year. And I was getting so many questions from our audience about how I set goals and how I create a vision that I created a workbook to share with them. And so the idea is you're offering something to your potential audience and it gives them an opportunity to receive that free offer and in the process, sign up for your emails as well. So I think that's a really kind of fun way to engage people beyond just telling them to sign up for your emails. Because again, it's about breaking through the noise and about bringing value and serving the community that you want to be part of part of part of your engaged community for the long term. I would say the other thing is just to kind of start and I would say this is the this is advice that I would give for any part of the business and especially online, but just start in an organized and systematic way. So we use Mailchimp as our email provider. There are a lot of other great ones out there too. But really think about like how how are you going to be setting up your list? How are you going to be engaging people on different platforms? Getting things really organized and a system that you can consistently stick to, whether that's like we send an email once a week that's a roundup of our best content from the week. And then every other week, I send a more personal letter from me to our audience that has all of my favorite recommendations. And it's just a more juicy conversational email. So we have this kind of system in place for how we're staying in touch with our audience. And then we stick to it incredibly consistently. So I think that consistency is probably um, is probably the other most important thing, just making sure that whatever you're promising those people who are signing up for your emails, you're really able to deliver on. And it, that's very similar, of course, to like social media as well. Like you have to consistently show up. It, it just, you know, and very similar to you when I was at Bump Club, Bump Club was our like email was our number one driver of conversion. And we started, we did start the list in 2010. So, Good for you. Um, you know, and that was some, and that was something like we always had people sign up for events and we got their emails and we were constantly connecting and we would see the most conversion on paid products at Bump Club through email. And I, and I think it's the same today too. When I send out an email, I see signups for my workshops. I see people listen to the podcast. I mean, it's very, very similar. You have to show up. Also, it's an incredible tool for feedback and for listening to your community because you can send a survey or send a test or a question 
to your email community and you know that they're already engaged and excited about what you're talking about. And it's an incredible way to get data back about your product or service that you're putting out there or an event that you're thinking about hosting. Um, you know, I think that more and more, it's so important to really listen to your community and then be able to implement what you're hearing. And email is an incredible tool for that. So I want to talk a little bit more about how you monetize your business because very similar again to like what I have created, you don't have a physical product. You have a community and you have built a business monetizing a community. And I think there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there who have a community, who have an, you know, people who are listening to them and engaging with them. And they just, they ask me all the time, well, how do I monetize it? How do I make money from it? Obviously, you've done a very good job. So I would love for you to give kind of your three or four ways that you actually make money from your business. Yeah. So there are three ways um, that we monetize and they are not even. So I'll I'll kind of say how they're weighted a little bit. Yep. But the first one is through sponsored content. That is custom branded content that we create with brands that we work with and that we love. Um, I think that one of the reasons we have been able to create really successful and lucrative sponsored content campaigns through the years is a couple of things. One, we are extremely picky about what brands we team up with. And the reason that's really important over the long term is that we don't want to degrade our audience's trust in what we're talking about. Our audience knows that we are only sharing brands that we genuinely love and use and that we feel will bring value to their lives. And so they don't tune us out when we start talking about them. My litmus test when a new brand approaches me about potentially working together is always, can I tell a better story with this brand than I would have been able to tell without the brand? So when I feel that the brand is actually additive towards the story we're telling, I'm like, yes, that's that's a, t- a brand we should be teaming up with. I love that you have a litmus test because I mean, I'm like nodding. The people who are listening can't see me nodding, but I'm nodding and I'm nodding because I share this story all the time. And very, very similar. Our litmus test at Bump Club was, would we as parents use these products? Mm -hmm. And if the answer was no, we wouldn't take the money. And it's very similar to you. We had a very, very, very trusted relationship because we put ourselves out there and we were really picky. And I always, always say to everyone, like, do not take money for the short term and be short-sighted to in compromise if it compromises your integrity and your trust with your community because you can never get it back. 1000%. So that has been a way that we have made money as a company for many many years. We've teamed up with incredible brands from Target to Pottery Barn to skincare brands that I love and those collaborations with the brands have also been huge for our growth by being able to team up with brands and create beautiful, high quality, valuable content, those brands often want to share that content. And so it's expanded our reach as well. So the right sponsored content relationship really can be a huge win for all parties. And that's really what we're always looking for. That said, I will say with one caveat, they're a lot of work. And 
as much as I love doing those campaigns, it's not like the most scalable way to grow a content business online. Because if you're really creating high quality content with these brands, at least for us, almost every single collaboration requires original photography, now original video creation, um, high quality writing, and an entire content and campaign for like how we're going to share that content across our channels. So it's a lot of work and it requires a lot of lift for many team members. So that leads me to the next way that we monetize, which is display ads, also known as banner ads on the site. This is something I'm so, I love talking about it because like I mentioned before, a banner ad was the first way that I ever monetized the site, you know, 10 plus years ago with my little custom $300 a month banner ad that I sold to a brand. However, like for many years, I feel like banner ads kind of fell out of fashion and fell off the radar of a lot of bloggers. And I think because like Google ads don't make very much money. And like, I kind of, I always had them, but they weren't really bringing that much money to the business. Well, that all changed when our traffic really started to grow a lot. And when we started doing, you know, many millions of impressions per month, suddenly I would check our banner ad, like our account. And I was like, wow, we're making actually a lot of money every single month on display advertising. And that really was like a light bulb moment for me because I realized as the person running this business, we're getting paid to just create the content that we're already creating. And the more, the better content we create, the more eyeballs we're going to have on it, the more people are going to come to the site. And then we get paid more on our display advertising. So while it's not as sexy necessarily as some of these like cool brand collabs, it's an extremely scalable method for bringing revenue into the business. And it's probably the one that I'm like most focused on now because it's a way for us to continue growing as a company without having to do like double or triple the amount of work. Right. It doesn't take um, the manpower. Exactly. So that's really cool just to see that shift. And, and, and like I said, both banner ads and sponsored content are still a very integral, like there, we rely on both of them for our revenue, but it is really cool to see more of a balance between the two so that we don't have to do this big campaign in order to continue making money as a brand. Um, and then the third way is affiliate. So most of you guys listening probably know what that means, but it's basically when you share a link to a shoppable product online, you get a little bit of a kickback on that product. And, um, you know, I'll, I will say like some sites, that's like their number one form of monetization. It's never really been something I've been super passionate about. I don't know. People don't. People do come to CamilleStyles.com to discover cool products. But I think that we're bringing so much like other types of content. Shopping isn't like their number one goal when they're coming to the site. So it's not really my biggest focus, although it is still like it's an extra an, an extra revenue stream, which I think just having that diversity, again, is really important as a business owner to have more than one way of making money. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast. As I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast, Hivecast 
was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. Well, and also with affiliate, it's kind of like low-hanging fruit, right? You know, I mean, it's like people are coming, you're showing a product. If you can, you know, make a few bucks on it or, you know, why not, right? Exactly. Yeah, why not? And and I, I mean, again, for some people, it's like, their bread and butter. And it's just, I think, knowing what your audience is coming to you for, knowing the purpose of your site. And that's going to drive a little bit of like what revenue stream makes the most sense for you. So you talked a little bit at the top of our conversation about the structure of your company. And you made mention that you that you feel that a five-person team has been the sweet spot for you. And I want to dive into that a little bit and find out why. Yeah. So a few years back, we actually had more full-time team members and fewer freelancers. And at the time, I thought that growing our team and like getting bigger was like equated growth for me. And what I learned really quickly was that I value freedom a lot more than I realized. And at the time, we had this beautiful studio in downtown Austin. We had seven full-time team members. And one day, I remember I was like speeding down the road, super stressed out to get to the office because I needed to like meet with the team. And I kind of had this moment where I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I like killing myself to get to this office every day and run this team and put all of this pressure on myself to like keep hustling and keep growing and getting bigger. And I realized that I was like kind of chasing after someone else's success metric and not really listening to how I wanted my everyday schedule to look. And I realized that I didn't want to go to an office every day and that I didn't want to have seven direct reports. And that was my inspiration to kind of shake things up. And I sort of blew up our team structure and ended up going to a business structure that relies much more heavily on contractors and freelancers to fill in some of these gaps that we need and be able to work with like true experts in their field, whether it's publicity or marketing or um, development or design without necessarily having to have that person as a full-time team member. And then really build out this I've heard it called a delightfully tiny team where it is like exactly the team players who can really own their roles and who I can really collaborate with and still have enough people to be able to delegate the things that need to be delegated. 
but not spend my entire day like having one-on-ones with people or dealing with like internal people issues. Like I just realized that for me, freedom was really important. And having the bandwidth to be able to structure my day the way that I wanted to spend it and have room in my life for more like creative thinking and writing and editing. And it was a really great learning for me, I think, as as a founder and as the leader of my company to realize that it was up to me to define the business structure and the team structure that was right for Camille Styles. That's a lesson that anyone who is listening should really take to heart, especially as a business owner. Um, because to your point, a lot of us are chasing things and worrying about what other people are doing and what their success looks like and how many and how much. And that's just not that to your point, that is not the metric of success. And I, and I am now, I am now in a space where I finally am like, Oh my God, like I can actually take a day off and like, no one will bother me because no one's relying on me with my new business. And it feels so good. Like, doesn't it feel so good to know that like, you are not having to sit down and have meetings all day, every day with seven employees. That's annoying. I mean, it feels luxurious. It feels so wonderful to be able to have that kind of autonomy. And I try to give each of my team members that autonomy too, to be able to design their day and and the schedule that really works best for their lives and the way that they work best creatively. But yeah, I mean, to your point about kind of being able to keep your vision on what's best for you. Like one of my favorite sayings, and I say this to myself daily, probably is good for them. Not for me. I think we're living in a culture where we're bombarded by so many success stories on social media and online. It's really difficult to maintain your vision on what's right for you and to really carve out your own path. But the sooner that you can realize that like, that's really the way to success, the better, because I just think that having your own point of view and not being able to do and being able to do things on your own terms is really the key to creating a career that you're going to love. So you were an influencer before there were influencers. I mean, really and truly. And, you know, and I, and I don't love that term because I don't, anyone who listens to this knows I don't love influencer culture. Um, you know, I have always been someone who even at Bum Club now, I prefer, you know, talking to influential people. That's my, my whole thing is like influential. I don't want necessarily someone who's like holding up a, a product and, you know, to your point, like getting money on an affiliate link, but you were influential before there were influencers. That's a better way of saying it. So what's next for you now? You know, I mean, like you have, you've built this amazing business. You are seemingly very happy with how it's going. How do you grow from here? Do you grow from here? And what, what is next? Yeah. So thankfully I love what I do every day still. And I'm, I'm very thankful that I, I, I'm not experiencing burnout or so many of the things that I think are really easy to encounter, especially as a content creator, because it can be a bit of a grind feeling that you have to pump out content every day. Mm-hmm. But I've really learned ways to set boundaries and um, and structure my job in a way where I can continue loving it and feeling passionate about it on a daily basis. So for CamilleStyles.com, my goal and my vision is just to keep 
bringing more value and serving our community in more and deeper ways with the content that we're creating to continue pivoting as the industry changes. I think that the exciting thing about being in digital media is that there are constantly new challenges to like overcome and new challenges that that are just an incredible opportunity to embrace the pivot and doing something new and, and pushing yourself. Um, and then for me personally, I actually have a really exciting, completely new project on the horizon. I haven't announced this or anything, so I'll try not to share, overshare, but for the first time, I'm actually delving into the product industry and I'm working on my first product brand. And that's something that's really exciting to me because I've thought about it for many years and as we all know, like almost every, you know, influencer website celebrity has like created some type of product line. But for me, I wanted to create something that was really my own and that I felt brought something new and better to the market that I was really passionate about and that I knew I had a unique point of view on. So not to be too cryptic because I'm not going to say what it is yet. It's okay. It's been really, really fun to do something that is new and that I've really had to take a beginner's mind and learn and realize that I don't have all the answers, but also know that with any new business, like I can dive in and learn and Google everything and become an expert over time. So that's been a really exciting new challenge for me. Well, I'm glad that you shared that because I'm going to ask you one more question before the final question. And and I was going to ask this anyway, but then because you just shared this little bit of information, I think it definitely puts a whole new perspective on what I'm going to ask you. And, you know, you are your brand and your brand is you. And so I do want to know how that feels because, you know, the success of your brand is really tied to you. And so even, but now, now that you've shared this with like this product knowledge, you are doing something that, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be branded your name, but you are going to have an extension of the brand that is not just you and the website and your content creation online. But how does that feel? And how do you that and make sure that you are still moving forward, even though it is so much about you? Yeah, it's been really interesting because you know, I don't, I don't mind like putting myself out there. I'm a pretty open book and I love to share. I think the biggest challenge has been the fact that I am so collaborative in nature. I mean, my favorite part of what I do is getting to work with this incredible team of women, and they are just as important and integral to the success of the company as I am. And so I think in this influencer culture, like trying to convey over and over and over to our audience that like... Camille Styles, yeah, it's my name, but it's a company and there are so many different voices and talents and creative people behind it. Like that's just something that is always top of mind for me. And I would say that's the biggest challenge with having a business that carries my name is just making sure that people know it's not all about me, nor do I have any desire for it to be about me. But the new business, it actually does not have my name. And that is really exciting. And um, it's fun just to have something that I can be like the creative director and the founder of, but it can truly be super collaborative. And no one is going to think that it's just like 
all about Camille Styles. I'm so excited to find out what it is. I cannot wait. Um, before I let you go, I'd love to fa- to finish on the exact question I ask all of my guests at the end, and that is, can you share three tips for a founder who is starting a business? What are three actionable things that people can do or should do um, as they're getting started? The first one, I would say just be patient and be in it for the long haul. I remember early in the site and after launching the site, I saw a lot of my peers like having all of these kind of outward measures of success. They were renting these beautiful photo studios in downtown LA. And a part of me was kind of like jealous. I mean, of course I would want to do that, but instead I made the choice to take every dollar that we earned and invest it right back into the business invest in the people first and truly working with amazing people. And I think that was really the key to our longevity was not feeling like I had to have all the things right at the beginning, but being really patient and being okay with working out of the basement and running the business in a really scrappy way in the beginning. I think doing maybe less, but better is a huge piece of advice for me. Um, There are so many things we could all be doing with our time and with our energy. Sometimes it's really overwhelming to think that we have to do it all, but simplifying and like stripping back your daily activities towards the most essential things that are really going to be moving the needle towards your goals. I mean, I think that's the way to really see traction is to try to focus every day on like, the one or two most important things that are moving the needle towards your goals for the business. And the third thing would be to have empathy for your audience or for your customer. I really think that the reason we've had success in the content business is because every single day, my editors and me put ourselves in the shoes of our audience. Like we know who our reader is and we feel like, What are her pain points? What does she need? What's she concerned about? What is she excited about today? And we do everything we can to serve that need and to bring value into like what she really cares about. And I think that when you can take that like customer or audience first approach, it changes your entire perspective and it changes all the messaging and everything that you're creating is like turned on its head when you stop thinking just what do I want to create and like what does my audience or my customer really need? Such good advice. Camille Styles, editor-in-chief and founder of CamilleStyles.com. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your story and such great tips for our community. I so appreciate it and I so appreciate your time. Thanks, Lindsay. This was so much fun. I wasn't lying. I told you that today's episode was full of amazing tips from our guest, Camille Styles. And as you can see, I was telling the truth. You know what time it is. Please take out your pen and paper. You're going to want to write down these takeaways because they are so good. Here we go. Number one, be patient, learn, evolve, and change as the industry changes. Number two, keep diversity of discovery. Don't rely on one channel to get traffic. When one algorithm changes, it can be destructive to the business. Number three, create an email list. You own it. People have opted in to receive your content. Really focus on your email list and create engaging content for your subscribers. 
Number four, when you start an email list, think about what kinds of exclusive content you'll be able to share with your audience. Share a free offer with your community that they would want in exchange for their email address. Number five, start your email marketing in an organized and systematic way. How are you setting up your list? How are you engaging people on different platforms? Put a system in place so that you can really stick to it. Number six, be picky about the brands you team up with. Don't degrade your audience's trust in what in what you are talking about. Share only brands you love and use and will bring value to, to your community's life. Number seven, the right sponsored content relationship can be a win for all parties involved, but they are a lot of work and they are not the most scalable way to grow your brand online. Number eight, don't write off banner ads. When you have millions of impressions of traffic, you can actually make a lot of money on display advertising. When you utilize display ads, you are getting paid for the content that you are already creating. That is such a good nugget of information. Number nine, figure out what your needs are and design a team that works for you and your vision. Number 10, being able to being able to do things on your own terms is the key to creating a career that you love. Number 11, do less but better. Simplify and strip back your daily activities to the most important things that will move the needle to your goals. What are the one to two most important tasks that you need to accomplish each and every day to move the needle on your business? And number 12, have empathy for your audience and customer. Put yourself in the shoes of the customer, solve their pain points, and do everything you can to serve that need. Thank you so much, Camille Styles, for this absolutely incredible episode, chock full of information that I know everyone listening can take away something from this conversation. So thank you so much. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to take out your phone, click that five-star rating or leave a review so that others can find us. We will thank you and they will too. We have some amazing guests coming up. Please make sure that you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen so that you do not miss a single episode. If you know someone who wants to start their own business or who started a business or who has an idea, please text them this episode. I know they will find something in this episode that they can utilize for their own business or post the episode on Instagram. Make sure to tag me. I will reshare some of those to say thank you. Stay tuned for another episode of Dear Found Her coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.